Would you pray with me for a moment, please? Loving God, speak to us once again your word of love and, and grace, and may it bear fruit in our hearts that we may be doers and not just hearers. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, my nine-year-old daughter, ten-year-old daughter, she just turned ten this, this week. My ten-year-old daughter and I, we like to play this game uh, where we ask questions to each other. And one of the questions that she's asked me before uh, is, Dad, who do you love the most? Okay. Um, we'll start asking, like, do you love me? And I'll be like, of course I love you. You're my daughter. I love you with all my heart. Well, do you love mommy? Of course I love mommy. I love her with all my heart. Well, who do you love most? And at that moment, I, I just don't, what do you say? Right? I say, I have to say, you know, Michaela, it's different. These are different kinds of love. She's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand that. But, but who do you love more? No, 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 you have to understand this. It's just a different thing. Okay, okay. And she can be insisting like that. Um, but it's it, that explanation that I give her, I don't know that she fully understands. Because love, it's one of those things where we're not very good at explaining what, God, what uh, love is. One of the things that I appreciate when I read scripture, you may or may not know this, is that there are different kinds or different words for love. Um, there are, there is philos, which refers to brotherly love, right? I mean, Philadelphia comes from, from there, from that word. There's eros, romantic love, and, and storge, and agape. Um, but we only have love, we only have the same word, and we use it, I would say we abuse it sometimes, we use it to describe so many things that can be so different. I love the weather this morning, by the way. It's so good. I really like it. I love it. I love my family. I love um, all. I love that when we went to the movie theater. I love the movie that we watched. You see, we we use that same word, but we use it for different things, and it's unfortunately unfortunate that we taken that word and abused it in so many ways. Um, I like to think of um, the Inuit, who I've heard have many different words for love. No, not for love, for ice. Because ice is so important to them. So they have words for different kinds of ice and how they, it's all around them. But, the form, the shape, the kind of eyes that they have. They have different words for, for eyes because it's so important to them. I think, friends, that it would be to our benefit to have many different words for love. Or at least to find different ways to demonstrate our love to people because it's so important to us. And we've sung this before. They will know that we are Christians by our love. Well, if this is such a, an important things, thing for our community, such an important part of our identity and who we are, can we find better ways to describe it and demonstrate it to people? 
Like I said, I think, unfortunately, the concept of love, particularly in our culture, has been misunderstood. I believe that love has become, or can be, if we're not careful, an excuse for many people. Um, last year we had a pretty, um, an event that everybody was talking about during the Oscars, where one of the actors kind of stood up and slapped a comedian on the stage for a joke that he had made. Did everybody hear about this? It was pretty, it's all over the news, right, at the time. And I don't want to necessarily get too much into that, but uh, what was really fascinating to me was the explanation that this person gave after he won an award, and he said, well, love can make you do crazy things. And something about that just kind of bothered me. It bothered me because he was using love to justify an act of violence. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. But he's not the first person to do that. He won't be the last person to do that because love uh, evokes a lot of strong emotions. People use love to justify all kinds of things that are wrong. Um, unhealthy boundaries, abusive relationships. If you find a way to bring love in there, you can rationalize it and, and justify it in some way where you're happy with it. And, and I wish we'd stop doing that. I believe that that's not what love does. I, I believe that as Christians, that's not the way that we should be talking about love. We find in Scripture uh, pretty challenging definitions about love. A love that does not look to do or benefit just the one person, the individual, but a love that is sacrificial, a love that gives, a love that does not envy, a love that does not um, uh, recur to violence. You know, we find very different definitions for love, and I believe that that's not one of them. A love that justifies hurting others. It's not the love. It's not a love that I'm interested in. As Christians, I think we need to be more intentional in talking about love. And we need to do it constantly and we need to do it well. Sometimes love will make us look inside of ourselves, but sometimes it will make us look outside of ourselves to other people. When we love, we experience connection with others. But the kind of love that God has for us, the kind of love that we are challenged by, is agape love. Now, agape is certainly a sacrificial kind of love. I believe, like I said, it's not a love that seeks harm. It doesn't harm, look for to harm ourselves or to harm others. Um, and God shows us this love through Jesus. It is through Jesus that we understand that love is something that moves us closer to others, that makes us listen to others, 
and that challenge challenges us to um, walk in their shoes, to be empathetic. I think that's a good place to start our conversation about love. Because if we don't understand this, if we don't understand this foundation of love, I think we will miss out on God's message for our lives. So when I read the scripture, particularly when I read scripture, I try to read scripture with love. Um, I've known a lot of very smart people. I went to seminary. I've been a church person most of my life. And I know people who can take scripture and, and deliver a wonderful message and can tell you the history and can tell you the context. But friends, if we have all this knowledge and we don't have the love to back it up, I would find it empty. Even as we read the scripture, if we don't begin with love, the scriptures themselves will, be, will become something that we use to harm other people. Now we begin with love. How can how is God moving me to love through scriptures today? How is God challenging me, challenging me to love uh, through my faith today? Are you with me still? Can you say amen? Amen. We begin with love and knowledge. I'm not saying knowledge is a bad thing, but one of my favorite um, quotes from John Wesley, founder of Methodism, is that an ounce of love is worth more than a pound of knowledge. I just love that. If you begin with love, if you would begin with compassion, let me tell you, I feel you will be closer to understanding the message that we find in scriptures. And so when I read scripture, I begin with that. There are certain passages that I read that I have to be very careful with, um, such as the passage that we just read. Uh, let me see if I can find it. If God is for us, who can be against us? I, I, I read this passage and I'm thankful for that because I think when uh, this passage was written, it brought more, uh, much consolation to people. Uh, in their time. At this point, we have to ask ourselves when we read the scripture who the us is in this passage. When we say, is, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who is the us in this sentence? Who is the us that is being written about? At the time when this letter was written, us referred to a community that had been historically marginalized and had experienced loss and was trying to find their identity. God is with us meant that when we feel abandoned and hopeless, God is with us, God is present, and we can find the strength to resist and keep moving forward because God is with us. My concern uh, when I read a passage like this one, though, in our modern times, is that we've become so uh, polarized 
and we've distanced ourselves from so much from other people, then us can be very uh, a very exclusive category. God is with us, maybe understood differently. It may be understood as God is with us, but not really with them, whoever them may be. God favors our people, our church, our team over, over other people. I feel like this is a prayer that many people pray when they're watching their favorite football team play the game, perhaps in the Super Bowl. And they want their team to win. And they say, God is with us. Well, what about them? Unfortunately, many Christians and many people have not been able to go beyond this us versus them mentality. Many people in our country have become used to this dualistic way of thinking. But I'm here to tell you as a pastor, as your pastor, that Christianity is not a dualistic religion. Christianity is not an us versus them religion. There was many years ago a very dualistic religion called Manichaeism. Um, people in that religion believed that there were there was two teams. One of them lived in the light, the other one lived in the darkness. One of them were right, the other one was wrong. And it's not hard to uh, find out where they saw themselves in this uh, in, in these two team, teams. No, they were the ones who believed. They were the ones who were in the light, who were in the right. And the other people lived in darkness. It just so happened that our side is the one that is the side of light. Isn't it funny how that works sometimes? Well, when I turn on the news and look at how polarized our country has become, I cannot help but think that many who call themselves Christians are actually closer to Manichaeism and the teachings of Christ. It is us versus them. And we've distanced ourselves so much from them that it's hard to find God in them. That it's got hard to see grace and love and the Spirit in them. And I think Christ invites us challenges us to find God in other people, no matter how different they may be from us. Because in my experience, friends, when I draw a line in the sand, it just, happen, it just so happens that God is on the other side, inviting me to join him. Another phrase with which I, we have to be careful is verse 32. He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for, uh, for all of us, will he not with him give us everything else? We have to be careful with this because we are living in a very consumer-oriented culture. 
Many of us have learned to associate love with us receiving things. Well, if this person loves me, <laughs> this person loves me because of the gifts that I get from them. We have to be careful with that because we take that and we can project that to God as well. Does God love me? Well, God loves me when he gives me everything that I want. When everything is going my way. God loves me when all my uh, desires are taken care of. And Christianity and religion become more of a transactional thing than a faith thing. People say, I've heard people say, you know, I go to, I go to church and um, because I want, I like being fed. And, and a friend of mine told me this once and I said, I go to church because I like the, the, the fact that I'm being fed. And I like that. That's fine. You go to church if you're being fed. That's an important thing of what happens in church. But do you ever think that sometimes God uses you to feed other people as well? And it is through your presence, through your hospitality, that God can feed others? Agape love does not work in a transactional way. Uh, agape love is not about what we can get, but the things that we can offer. We are not supposed to hoard our blessings here at the church. Can you say amen to that? Amen. We're not supposed to hoard. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. If you leave with something today, this is what I want you to leave with, okay? We're not supposed to hoard our blessings at the church. God has blessed us in so many ways. We are uh, uh, to bless others. We are to freely give what we have freely received. And I'm thankful, friends, because in the short time that I have been here, I can see that this is a giving church. So I want to commend you for that. This is a generous church. This is a church that is looking for ways in which to love others through compassion and justice, through ways in which we conduct ourselves. And I think that's important. Um, it's an important part of who we are. How do we serve others? One of my favorite people, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, said, the church is the only... Uh, the church is only the church, or the church is the church only when it exists for others. The church is the church only when it exists for others. So it's important for us, friends, to be familiar and comfortable with the concept of love. I've heard this in conversation with other people saying, you know, you can't focus too much on love because that's too easy. You can't focus too much on love because that's, that's, that's easy for people to do. And I'm convinced, friends, that it's not an easy thing to do. 
Love is so much more complicated than that. I, I do think it's simple. It's simple like the three simple rules that we uh, try to adhere to in, in Methodism. Do you know what the three simple rules are? Do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. Simple. But simple doesn't always mean easy. Love can be a simple thing, but it's not easy in practice because it requires uh, commitment from us. The idea of agape in love, it goes way beyond what our culture can promote sometimes with its strict individualism, its busy schedules, and its consumerism. But love, on the other hand, invites us to look not only within ourselves, but outside of ourselves, at other people's needs. It challenges us to be humble. And humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. It challenges us to seek justice and compassion, to get out of our comfort zones and to make other people perhaps uncomfortable as we may be. To, it challenges us to get out and demonstrate God's love, not just to, through our words, but through the way in which we live our lives. These friends, I believe, are the crazy things that love will make us do. God will, uh, love will make us do crazy things. Not to harm others, not to benefit ourselves from others, but to encounter others where they are, to serve them, to see God in them, and to love them in their context, to love them as God loves us. Can we say amen? amen. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you because you show us what true love is. And knowing what love is means that we're going to have to unlearn some things. Teach us what true love is, that sacrificial love that invites us to get out and connect with other people. That sacrificial love that invites us to consider, consider the needs of others. Help us love each other as you have loved us. Loving God, we understand that there's a lot of confusion in our culture about what love means. And we've associated love with transactions. We feel loved when we get our way. But help us find your love in adversity. Help us find your love when things are not going our way. Help us share love. Even with people who may be different from us. Help us not fall into the, the, the game of, of polarization, of the us versus them mentality. 
and help us understand that we are your children, that we need each other just as we need you. And so it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.